the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. This day is known as the Genealogy Sunday. It's what we read every Sunday before the birth of our Lord. And both the epistle and the gospel are assigned for this day. And what I want to focus on is a couple, a line of the epistle that unpacks, coupled with the gospel, the meaning here that we can marvel at the way that our Lord has come to save us. Because that's what the nativity, the birth of our Lord is all about. The uniqueness of how our God came and saved us. That line from the epistle is this. He, the apostle lists all of these great acts of the forefathers and he's marveling at it. And he knows that this is from, he says, the faith of Abraham that sojourned in the land of promise as in a foreign land. And after listing all of those great acts of Abraham's children and of the people of God, the epistle ends with, though well attested by their faith, they did not receive what was promised, since God had foreseen something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. It's that. That they, apart from us, us Christians, us who are post the birth of Christ, are made perfect with them. That's the point I want to underscore today in our preparation for the nativity of our Lord that we will celebrate this evening. We are not saved apart from one another. And this applies all the way back to even before Abraham, because the Sunday before, we were also commemorating Adam and Eve, the forebears, all of the ancestors according to faith in Christ. But we're not saved apart. We're not saved as individuals, but as a community through the one God-man, Jesus Christ, who is the Emmanuel, the one who is God with us. By Him, the highest, He who is the highest, is brought into the lowly, and we who are of the lowest is raised up to the highest. It's a movement, a spiritual movement of God toward us, God with us, and we are raised. Those of the old covenant, they looked expectantly forward. And we Christians of the new covenant look backward, we look to the now, the present word, maybe I can make up a word, present word, And we look forward, just as they did in faith, for the continued promises of God. Faith and hope tied together through a certain means that we can call the self-emptying of our Lord in order to unite us with Him. This self-emptying is a paradox because it's the highest who enters the lowest, And the low is then raised without ever negating, without ever making the lowest something that it is not, something that is unnatural to it. It takes all that is good from the lowest and brings it to the highest by this self-emptying act. The faith that our Lord calls us to has not changed. 
whether from the Old Covenant or to the New. It's one that sees the promises of God and then lives now, lives in its time, in this earthly life, before that promise is fulfilled as if it's fulfilled now. We, that's what enabled all of these old covenant folk that the Hebrews author, the apostle, is marveling at. Before Christ came, they lived as Christians are called to live. Emptying themselves in their own corresponding emptying movement of all of their expectations in the hope and faith of the promise yet to come. We can say that this emptying of ourselves is a mirror of the Lord, but we do it from our own place. We do it from our own time. We give up ourselves in order to gain God. And God has emptied Himself into us in order to gain us to Him. That is the faith that Abraham lived. It's to follow God by this emptying of our expectations, the emptying of ourselves in order to receive God in His promised one. Faith, we could say, has a vision that is so long that the present circumstance doesn't affect who we are in relation to Him. That is what the Apostle is writing at and marveling at about these Old Testament righteous ones. They emptied themselves of all of their expectations in the hope of the promise that would be fulfilled. That's the spiritual movement of preparation to receive Christ to receive Him in that manger as we're preparing, to receive Him into the cave and that hidden place of our heart. We empty ourselves of the expectations and then we become united to God. Or as the epistle says of the faith of Abraham, to look forward to the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God Himself. So whether you're one of the patriarchs, one of the righteous kings, one of the prophets, one of the judges, one of the martyrs, or namely any of the righteous of the old covenant, we are to do the same. To look forward to the completion of that promise, even now. But we get to that line of the epistle, that that doesn't stand alone. God has foreseen something better for us. For all of us. All of those that were just named, that... The Apostle writing Hebrews says we didn't have time to enumerate all that they did. But it's us, not them and we over here, but us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. God remains unchanged, and His call to us is constant, to live by faith, to live by hope in His promises. He is the Emmanuel who is the exemplar and the basis of how we are saved. God calls us to live in the same way no matter when or where we live. We live in the covenant of baptism and the Eucharist. We have this in common, who lived under the lawful covenant of circumcision and the Passover sacrifice. We both look forward to the fulfillment of perfection. We both look forward to the resurrection of all mankind that is contained in that little babe in the manger in Bethlehem that we are striving and preparing to receive and celebrate this evening. But what is different for us from them? Because there is a difference. 
we can behold the perfect human nature of our Lord Jesus Christ when they could not. They expectantly looked forward and relied on the promises, but they didn't have or know Jesus Christ in the flesh. And now we have even the addition. We know that he, who He is, but we can even partake of Him. As St. Peter writes in his second epistle, that we can become, though through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted us this precious and very great promises, that through these you may escape from corruption that is in this world because of passion, and become partakers of the divine nature. We have that perfect one who is offered and imparted to us, and we have the grace to live that word that I made up earlier, present word. We can live here and now knowing Christ as he offers himself to us. We can see heaven enter into our midst, not just in some cave in Bethlehem as a historical fact, but into the cave of our very being then his life becomes our life. All of those things that is mentioned in the epistle of the great acts of the righteous ones of the Old Testament, even more so are we Christians enabled to live that way in the promise of the resurrection. For the Messiah has entered our fallen and broken human existence. He became like us in every way. He experienced weakness, hunger, pain, hardship, loss, sadness, sickness, anger, but he also experienced joy, love, friendship. And when he entered death, he transformed it. But first he was born, and then he did all these things to save us. He did all of these things, and he knew us, and it was exactly like us, except that he did not sin. And he entered our existence to fill us with that divine human nature. He imparted to us his very self, into all of our human frailties and all of our human strengths. We may not be part of that great genealogy that we have just heard, the genealogy according to the flesh and of the law, but we enter into the promise that was given to Abraham and given to all of them. We find the promise of salvation that they were expecting to receive and waited patiently to receive. So to live, go forward, emptying yourselves in love. In all of those great acts that the epistle is naming, the ascetic acts of emptying your life for the sake of the other and for the sake of God, enjoy. Do so in joy. And when we do that, it's to journey toward the perfection that is offered to us with a clear vision of the life of Jesus Christ and to be animated also by the grace that he imparts to us. When we do that, we are united all together. All of you here with all of those beginning from Adam and Eve. For he is the land of promise. He is the promised one. He is the one giving the promise of the resurrection to all those who follow him. He is imparting grace to us from his perfect and divine nature. It's from his birth and from his resurrection that all of life is possible. It is because of his resurrection and the promise of the resurrection that that will be imparted to us that we empty ourselves 
and then we receive God. The ancestors of Christ, they emptied themselves, not knowing him. But they emptied themselves in trust of the promise. How much more can we Christians do so knowing both him and of the promise of his resurrection? The birth of Jesus is for us the greatest moment of our Lord's emptying of himself where we can see that the highest of the highest has become a little babe. An infant lays in a place where animals feed. Here there is the highest promise yet to be fulfilled, yet it has begun to be revealed. Here in that manger is the expectation of all of his ancestors. Here is the Messiah proclaimed by angels in amazement and praise, venerated by shepherds, wrapped in cloths for his own warmth, suckling at his mother's breast. Here is the promise of the salvation entering the world and giving himself to us. What a great mystery that we are given to behold. And all, I'm sure all of the ancestors of Christ marveled at that this is how the promise is fulfilled. In him, are all those who live within the promise to God, to his people, united. From the beginning to the end of the age, let us together praise and magnify and celebrate his entrance into our life and the revelation of the great things that he has and will accomplish for our sake. Amen.